welcome to another episode of Speaking Through My World, where I talk about my three passions in life, and that is women, Africa, and the arts. In this episode, we are traveling to Kisumu in, in Kenya. Kisumu is the largest city in Kenya after the capitals Nairobi and Mombasa. And we're focusing on the Kisumu uh, Feminist Society, where their mission is redefining feminism in African women's views through the celebration of African feminists in spaces that are inclusive, intersectional, and Afrocentric. They were legally registered in 2018 by a group of young women from Kisumu who saw the need to have this intersectional and inclusive feminist movement in the region. And today I'm very, very blessed to, to be chatting with uh, Africa, who's one of the coordinators. Africa, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing okay. I'm fine. Yeah. Good. Thank you so much for, for, for giving me your time. I know this week is absolutely crazy for all of you. Um, so I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to jump straight into it. Uh, tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more, um, more detail about how the Kisumu Feminist Society came about um, and, and who's running it at the moment. Thank you. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for hosting me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I will start by introducing myself. My name is Africa. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm currently the coordinator of Kisumu Feminist Society. So we are a feminist organization, just like introduced us, that works with women, trans and gender non-conforming persons from Kisumu and its environments, but basically Western Kenya as a region. And currently I am the coordinator um, to mean I oversee and I'm in charge of a lot of programs and activities that Kisumu Feminist Society runs currently. So we came about to be um, in a very interesting way. In 2019, we actually organized the Total Shutdown Kenya, the Kisumu version. So part of the matches that are being organized and are about to happen this year. We organized that in 2019. And initially the match was to happen in Nairobi and Mombasa because there was a strong feminist presence in those two regions. And the organizers in those areas were able to mobilize people and get people on board. But Kisumu was about to be left out because we didn't have so many people on board. Um, so many people were, were like, you know, hashtag total shutdown KE, hashtag end femicide in Kenya, but they were not dedicated enough to want to come to a match. So when the match organizers um, decided that they need to get Kisumu out of the mix because we didn't have the numbers, I took it upon me to say, no, we don't have the numbers because we are not looking. We don't have the numbers because we've not asked the right people. You people give me this opportunity to actually look for people and host a match um, in Kisumu that will happen around the same time as Total Shutdown, Nairobi and Mombasa. And given that I was one of the organizers, they said, okay, if this works for you, then go for it. And we successfully organized a match that so... Um, over 100 to 150 people come out to demand an end in femicide. And it was such a powerful moment for us, personally for me too, because we just put out a call on social media, uh, Facebook at that time. We were not sure if people would actually respond, but so many people respond, so many people showed up and, you know, they marched with us in solidarity. So after the total shutdown KE march, as we were having the closing conversation, because we marched from point A to B, someone expressed their concern and they were like, 
Kisumu as a region doesn't have a strong feminist presence, at least a strong intersectional feminist presence, because most of the feminist spaces that were existing at that time were very clear about how they participated in politics that that did tend to other um other women and, and like other persons who came into their spaces. And when I say that they they rarely worked with lesbian women, they rarely worked with gender non-conforming persons, you know, most of the organizing was centered around a cis hetero like normative kind of way of organizing and something. So when someone said we need an intersectional feminist space, an intersectional feminist collective to actually um to actually, you know, like challenge the existing feminist organizations that were there at that time. That is when I can actually say Kisumu Feminist Society was born because, you know, we sat down and we agreed and we were like, okay, um, we have the people, we have the influence, we have the platform, what's stopping us from doing this? Mm. And a few friends and us collectively agreed to, you know, do something because when we were, when we started, we were not even an organization. We were just a small collective of young feminists in Western Kenya, just pushing, pushing for like, you know, change and like doing so many, doing so much advocacy around various issues. But I can comfortably say the birth of Kisumu Feminist Society came after the total shutdown KE March in 2019. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for, for that in information. Because often in, in many societies, we do have feminist movement groups and spaces um, who don't look at it from an intersectional point of view. And often that is driven because um, some of these spaces, without even realizing it or deliberately, push patriarchy and misogynistic ideologies. And we know that that's inherent in, in all forms of rape culture. How have you... As, as feminists from Kisumu tackled the issues around patriarchy and misogyny? So my region, Kisumu, is very patriarchal. And I can attribute that to the Luo culture because I am Luo, which is one of the many tribes um, in Kenya. And some of the beliefs and some of the practices that we engage in are very patriarchal. And I'm talking wife inheritance, I'm talking women not allowed to own property. So they're very they're very misogynistic if you look at them. And oftentimes when you try to have these conversations with people who are not aware about these issues, they dismiss it as that's how we've been doing it. That's how things have been happening. So you just can come here and change things. So I think what works for us the most is we engage women who come from the Luo community that are oftentimes overlooked in these conversations because one, most of them were frustrated and they needed an outlet to like, you know, air out their frustration. They needed a space to talk. They needed people to, to like, you know, talk to and say, but why do we have this tradition? This doesn't make sense. Why are we doing this? This doesn't make sense. So the moment we provided that platform for them to actually engage in these discussions with us, it was so easy for us to be able to point out other misogynistic practices that like, you know, were all rooted in patriarchy because if we'd find someone would be so angry that they cannot be able to inherit land that their father has because, you know, her brothers are the ones who are able to inherit land. But at the same time, they do believe that wife inheritance is okay because that's how we are. So you see, we, we would create these spaces to actually help them get a link between the two issues, for example, and tell them you cannot be able to 
for example, on land because of ABCD, that if you look at it deeply, it's rooted in ABCD, that is wife inheritance, because there's a belief that women will always be married and they will go and belong to their husband's family. So the moment you're seen as someone who will leave eventually, your family, you know, which actually believes in like so many patriarchal beliefs, thinks that them giving you land is a waste of time so you're not supposed for example to have land you're supposed to go find someone which is why if your husband dies they push for wife inheritance because you are not supposed to belong home according to tradition so once we were able to have conversations like that with women around kisumu and you know be able to link these issues and see how intertwined they were it was so easy for us to start having conversation around other issues like you know like um sexual and gender-based violence femicide is an issue in kenya currently um you know like um what else can i talk about like i wanted to say rape but it's still part of the gender-based violence mm. issues that you're talking about it was so easy for us to link this issue so i think that's what that is what works for us for the most we tend to address the many issues that we organize around from a very intersectional lens because it's so easy to have the bystander effect of it doesn't affect me so there's nothing I will do if we do not connect whatever struggles we are dealing with with other people whose struggles are not the same so that way we get to see that at the end of the day um, if one's rights are taken away yours are definitely like you know preparing to be taken away to or something of that sort. So that's what we've been doing the most. We've been we've been linking um these harmful traditional practices and traditional beliefs that we have as Luos to patriarchy, trying to explain to women and girls too, because you know we are the ones who suffer the most when our parents like subscribe to these beliefs, how these two contribute to more misogyny, especially in the Luo community. I hope that answers your question. Or do I need to expound more? No, no, no. That answer is answers it perfectly. Okay. And 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 I mean looking at at the rate of femicide and we'll focus more particularly on, on Kenya, but speaking from a South African point of view, femicide, our femicide rates have been incredibly high for years. And we know that we've been living in a pandemic for many, many decades in terms of gender-based violence. In terms of, in your opinion, with the high rate of feminism, of, of femicide that has been reported, do you think that is attributed to the fact that um, you have identified certain murders as femicide, or is it because now people are are more vocal on social media and and getting that information out? What's your take on on the rise of feminism in in Kenya at the moment? Um, so before we started referring to these murders as femicide, they used to be called gender-based violence. And personally, for me, I used to find that word so respectable. Like, you know, you can easily say it was a case of gender-based violence and leave it at that. So when we were trying to look for a word that would make people uncomfortable, that would make people want to know what is this word? What is femicide? What does it mean? And why specifically are you focusing on the murder of women? Because even the conversations on social media currently are actually saying homicide is the opposite of femicide, which is not true. But the fact that people are uncomfortable enough to want to counter the word, to want to like, you know, say that, oh, you know, like why call it femicide and not GBV is one of the many reasons why we specifically chose it. And as speaking as an organizer, as one of the organizers of the Total Shutdown K Image, so we decided to look at it from a femicide lens because we actually 
borrowed heavily from um total shutdown south africa actually uh we would look at the stories we'd look at um how are women in south africa organizing we'd look at like you know the statistics the data and all that mm -hmm. and it really influenced how we can organize best in kenya currently because in 2019 we didn't even have the language that called for solidarity like it has in 2024 currently in mm -hmm. 2019 we were trying to introduce femicide as a word into feminist spaces and at that time it used to be looked at as a very radical word because even people who do women's rights organizing work were like why can't you just call it gender-based violence why does it have to be femicide but we were interested in calling it femicide because there's a current trend in kenya happening which is the specific mother of women and most of these women end up being murdered in some of the most dehumanizing ways that mm -hmm. you know if you look at them keenly, they kind of send a message like, we can do this and there's nothing you'll do about it. And I'm saying this because even looking at these mothers, these are women, you know, you wake up today and you're like, woman 55 killed, breasts chopped off, girl 20 killed, dismembered, you know, they're very horrific details that you can't just sit down and like read them constantly and be like, okay, because Personally, for me, like, I feel like they're very overwhelming. But again, they're the stark reality on the ground because even with these horrific murders happening, people still find ways to justify these murders. And, you know, I, I actually always say Kenya in itself has a rape culture problem. Like, if you look at our Twitter discourses, if you look at the conversations men on our Twitter are having, they're so rooted in rape culture from their jokes to their banter, whatever they call banter to their comments. It's, it, always, it always like comes down to them finding a way or two in like violating women. So you see even most of these feminist cases that are happening, these women um, in the beginning with Starlet Wahoo, the 24 year old who was killed and Rosie, you know, the other woman who was killed in an Airbnb, they were automatically labeled sex workers because they were killed in an Airbnb. To them, the fact that these women were not killed in their houses. The fact that these women were killed by men who they were supposed to be, you know, men who they were with in intimate settings, they automatically were labeled sex workers. And therefore, you see so many people would say in Swahili things like um, the wages of sin is death. Um, if you're a prostitute, just go for it. That That's your problem. You know, take care of yourself and all that. So it, it all comes down to point how Kenya has a rape culture, like, you know, rape culture problem because to them they look at sex workers as people who cannot have autonomy they look at sex workers as people who can't consent to sex they look at sex workers as people who can't have boundaries therefore by labeling these women who've been killed as sex workers it kind of you know like feeds into the narrative that but if they are sex workers they deserved what was coming you know and that's why we are very specific about these mothers being femicide in as much as they are a form of gender-based violence because they provide the discomfort that we need in regards to sparking conversations we are very interested in people asking what is femicide why femicide or oh, it's the murder of women how is it different from other murders that are happening so you see it creates the platform to have a conversation and say okay thank you for happening so this is why we think it's femicide this is why we will continue calling it femicide and this is why we think you should also call it femicide so yeah that that that's basically it yeah for me and yeah. and and i mean you you touched on 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 aspects of rape culture and one of yeah. the other most prominent aspects is that 
society will automatically blame the victim and not put accountability on the person who's created the crime. So with mm -hmm. society saying, well, they're a sex worker, they deserved it, is then moving mm -hmm. away the attention from the perpetrator, which we know is patriarchy misogyny 101. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and and so 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 thank you for taking a stand against that. And in mm -hmm. terms of of the the this this week's total shutdown march, which is taking place um, this week, and obviously in your region, uh, I know it's mm -hmm. taking place in Nairobi and other cities. What have you mm -hmm. planned for the actual march, and how can we as feminists um, around the world, because my database does go globally, how can we mm -hmm. add support to 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 your plight? Um, thank you. So the total shutdown um, marches that are organized this year in 2024 are just an extension of the marches that we had in 2019, um, hence the name total shutdown again. So at first, the march was to initially happen in Nairobi and the three organizations partner that is Feminist in Kenya, Usikimie and Zamara Foundation, they came together to host the march, um, to plan to host the march in Nairobi. But then again, femicide as an issue is a matter of national concern. And given that Kenya has a lot of organizations that work at the intersection of gender and sexuality, you know, women's rights and feminism and all that, other organizations also expressed interest in organizing and being part of the march because in as much as most of these murders are happening in Nairobi, they can unfortunately happen everywhere because I currently stay in Kisumu, but I have to counter check that my doors are locked even after I have locked my doors. Like it's mm -hmm. something that um that really the effects have been felt all over the country. So when so many organizations expressed interest and they're like, we also need to organize these matches. We want to be part of these matches. What can we do? What should we do? Um, there was a collective agreement to actually host these matches in different regions, in different parts of Kenya, um, uh, in, as long as, sorry, as long as you can actually host it. So currently, I know that on 27th, um, January 2024, there's a match in Nairobi from 10 a.m., there's a match in Mombasa from 9 a.m. There's a match in Kisumu from 9 a.m. There's a match in Eldoret. There's a match in Busia. There's a match in Kilifi. And it's very exciting to see these matches um, being planned with the prospects of happening because in 2019, only three major regions organized these matches. That was in Kisumu, in Mombasa, and in Nairobi. But you see, in 2024, it's like so many people have rallied behind this course and you find that more than 10 organizations have actually come together to plan for these matches, to organize these matches. They People want to do something. There are Twitter conversations. There are TikTok live conversations, their Instagram live, their Facebook lives. So, so many things are happening currently. So the whole of this week, we'll have matches happening concurrently across the country on 27th um, in different regions where we'll all be sharing and posting under the hashtag um, Total Shutdown KE and End Femicide KE. And then on 28th, um, my organization, Kisumu Family Society, will be hosting an End Femicide Vigil um, in partnership with other organizations that are working in Kisumu so as to just provide that space to just breathe and sit with what is happening because currently we are angry so many so much so many things are happening we are all over the place we are tweeting we are posting we are organizing we are doing everything but we have not had the chance to just sit 
to just mm. honor the victims, to just remember them and look at them as women who existed way beyond hashtags or just being reported as sex worker killed in blah, blah, blah. So that's what we'll be doing in, on 28th again for the vigil. We'll just be providing that space to just, you know, sit with everything that's happening and also honor and remember the victims. So one of the ways in which the rest of um, the continent and probably the world can actually be in solidarity with us is to amplify the discourse around femicide in Kenya. Um, the thing with our country is <laughs> Kenya loves PR so much. If there's an issue that so many people are speaking about both internationally and locally, it's something that they would start taking seriously. And we really appreciate, um, by the way, the solidarity that so many people all over the world have shown us, um, particularly African countries, you know, like feminists from other African countries have stood with us and they've said we are standing with Kenya and we are speaking with them and we are holding space for them. It's it's really a beautiful thing to watch, but we still need more. We still need more of that solidarity because after the matches, what next? In 2019, we had, we wrote beautiful memorandum of demands that we were to present to the government and we were saying, declare femicide a national emergency, you know, um, if a politician has been is 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 accused of like you know um committing femicide or even using other like if there's a case that is linking him to femicide like the one that happened um with the Migori governor and Sharon you know they should not be allowed to run for office until investigations are cleared and all that there were very beautiful memorandum of demands but the government didn't do anything we don't want a repeat of that in 2024 hence the call for solidarity so that even after the marches we still are pushing for more changes because we currently need, you know, like to have the government take this seriously. And it's evident that most of them don't because out of the 47 women reps that we have from 47 counties, none of them have actually released a statement condemning femicide, none of them. And there are women representatives and there are few female senators who've come out, have actually used that platform, unfortunately, to, to victim blame and to slut shame, you know, talking about where would a 20-year-old be in an Airbnb, you know, conversations that still come back to victim blaming. So we need as much solidarity as ever to ensure this momentum and that this campaign doesn't die after the marches and the vigil only. Yeah. Perfect. And of course, it's also not only holding those politicians accountable, but also the media. You know, I saw yeah. one of the tweets on how they um, documented the gruesome, the, 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 the gruesome murder of a person and um, in such an undignified way. But that just reads into to the rape culture of society. And it's not just Kenyan. We have that in South Africa as well. I've seen it reported mm -hmm. in the States, in the UK and so forth. So mm -hmm. uh, with closing, we, 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 we send you lots and lots of strength. I'm very, very happy to hear that you're also going to be taking time to, to process because it's a lot um, yeah, and to breathe. A... Um, and so what we can do as much as we can, we will obviously push the, the, the hashtags. We will do the retweeting, push the solidarity um, and mm -hmm. um, reach out, you know, even afterwards, if it means finding other collaborations of course, I will add all of your your social media handles onto this podcast. Should uh, you want to, should international funders or partners want to get involved? Because, you know, for most feminist groups, we run on our own steam, and and this is where we we need support from from the spaces outside to put pressure on on our governments. 
So in solidarity and love, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your agency. I thank you for your voice. But also, please, just con constantly remind yourself that you are human. Um, and, mm -hmm. and the fight will continue, but we still need you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, too, for this space. Um, it was amazing. I just woke up. I didn't know that my brain would function that fast when <laughs> I've <laughs> And because I've not even had coffee and, you know, this conversation already has me energized. So thank you for the space and the opportunity. I appreciate it so much. No problem. Have a beautiful day.